Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Lots of exciting things happening in the world of Pokemon right now, but we're going to be focusing on the TCG, starting with the PTCG Live Global Beta, which just officially went live uh, last week, so we'll talk about kind of our thoughts, where things are on that. Still a little questionable on where PTCG Live is. Um, we'll talk about the current online meta with Silver Tempest, how things have evolved, where things sit right now. We will go into Guess That Flavor Text, of course, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast, and we'll cap off the episode talking about the Latin American International Championships, which are happening this weekend, the first I see of the new season. Super exciting with a brand new set legal. This is my favorite time in the Pokemon TCG, these international championships. We'll be giving our meta thoughts, uh, predictions on what we think will do well at the tournament, all of those things and more on this week's episode. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my co-host Azul GG. What's up Azul? How we doing man? I'm doing pretty good Chip. Been playing a lot of Pokemon recently. Actually managed to take a dub in one of the online tournaments with a Mew deck. Um, I didn't or I haven't. <clears throat> I don't plan to play any of the new Pokemon video game, but it doesn't sound like I'm missing much. I know there's some people out there who enjoy it, but there's also people out there who enjoy well done steak. So um, yeah, it doesn't sound like I've been missing much so far. But is that something you've actually done with done chip? I haven't had to ask you. I should ask actually ask you about that. Have you played the new video games at all? Yes, I actually have played the new Pokemon video games, Scarlet and Violet. I'm actually playing Scarlet right now. I'm still playing through the game, and I'm honestly enjoying it. There are definitely plenty <laughs> of problems with the frame rates. The the frame rates they're they're. It might as well be a frame rate because there is one, not <laughs> not frames. There is like one or two frames that, that we bounce between here in this game. There is definitely a lot of technical issues, but I do really like what they've done with Pokemon with the open world. Um, the way that you can choose the order in which you do things is really cool. So I am enjoying it. I'm also really enjoying all of the new Pokemon. Every single time I come across a new Pokemon from this generation... Uh, as I'm playing through it, I like want to add it to my team, but I'm only have six spots, so <laughs> had to give some people the boots. Cloth got kicked off the team uh, recently, unfortunately. <laughs> he was the latest uh, drop, but um, yeah, really enjoying it. Some... I'm still like I'm like probably thirty five percent through the game, so still through like the main story, and then obviously there's all yeah. the stuff after this main story. But yeah, I'm, I'm I am enjoying it. There's definitely some interesting new Pokemon. I saw the Claude Zire. That's my favorite one, I think, uh, <laughs> of the new Pokemon. And then, the, yeah, there's definitely some interesting ones. Going to be excited to see uh, what they give us as far as the cards go. I will say I did choose Fuecoco as my starter. Fuecoco was the best choice. What is that one again? It's the the fire one. He's right here on my shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right that's here. the one I did. I like that one the most, too. Yeah, the uh, cat literally is just a cat. And then the other one <laughs> is just, the oh, the, 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 the Yeah. Um, I don't want to go into any spoilers for anyone who might still be playing the game, but all I'll say is I did evolve my Fue Coco today into its final evolution and instantly wanted to put it in the box and not use it for the rest of the game. They did my boy <laughs> so dirty, man. That <laughs> I, I li I've seen a picture of it. I like it. Really? I don't know. I think it's man. pretty sick looking. It's so different from Fue Coco. I don't know. I'm. I'm I not, guess. <laughs> I, I was not Fue the Coco. biggest fan. I was a little disappointed to be honest, but. Um, but yeah, I'm still enjoying the games. It's a lot of fun. Um, 
And the rest of this week has been pretty good. I actually had some friends over this past weekend to Cube. We did a whole episode about cubing. So if you're curious about what that means uh, in the Pokemon TCG, feel free to check out our cubing episode that we did with Joe Bernard. But had some friends over to do that. It was definitely a blast. Uh, just got announced today, actually, before we are recording the podcast, that I am casting LAIC, the Latin American International Championships, this weekend. So I'm heading out tomorrow to get down to brazil i'm very excited for that and very thankful for pokemon to keep bringing me out to these international tournaments got to do euic and naic now heading down to brazil for laic i'm definitely pumped for it azul of course will be going as a competitor and uh, because of all those things we're going to be traveling internationally of course and getting back home on next monday and then getting in it like first thing in the morning after flying overnight and then trying to record the podcast the next day. I just don't think it's going to happen. So we will say right now that next week's episode is going to be out on Wednesday at 7 a.m., yep. not Tuesday. So a day later next week just to kind of make up for the uh, the international travel that we're both going to have to be doing. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit late next week, um, but that's not going to stop us from being on time this week, Chip. So let's go ahead and let's get into our first topic uh, today. Yeah, PTCG Live Global Beta uh did drop <clears throat> this week so as far as i know it's available everywhere now finally i think that is what happened in north means, america yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't have to drive up to canada whenever i want to play anymore so that's nice um <clears throat> there's a tweet out from the pokemon tcg pokemon tcg live global beta is underway and open to all trainers across the world to try out to collect strategize battle of the trainers from all over the globe with pokemon live in stores this week i did go back uh and play a little bit Okay. Um, and um, <clears throat> I did go back and play a little bit, and uh, I was not still overly impressed with the kind of the gameplay of everything. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, of course, didn't go through like the whole experience of joining the beta. Uh, but there was a, there was a couple articles put out by a couple major, what do you call them, like uh, gaming? What do you even call it? Major yeah, gaming, I mean, gaming news, cultures, yeah. news sites. Yeah, well, a lot of people have probably heard of. This is the first time I ever heard. One of them, of course, is Kotaku, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. The other one was the Gamer, uh, and they did not seem very pleased with the beta. <laughs> yeah, and this is really interesting because the community for months now has been very vocal about the dislike of a lot of things in PTCG Live. There are good elements, which we'll talk about a little bit, but I mean, really, the good elements kind of stop at crafting. The fact that crafting exists after that, it's kind yeah. of a kind of downhill from there. <laughs> um, but this is a big difference, though, because, you know, the community can complain all they want, but this is the type of stuff that the bigger people at, you know, companies will notice and see whenever bad press comes from these games. The headline of the Gamer article, the Pokemon TCG Live beta wasn't ready for a global launch. And then the one on Kotaku says, don't migrate to Pokemon TCG Live until you've read this warning. So both of these articles really kind of... Uh, did paint PTCG Live in a negative light. They don't love where the game is at right now. And that's just kind of the sentiment that we've been echoing for the last few months now. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely been, I feel like in the, there has been a little bit of back and forth in the, the Pokemon community itself, right? Um, I would say it's a pretty bad look when at least 50% of the people seem to dislike the product, right? Like if 80% of the people like the product, that'd be something different. Right. And I think there could be a little bit of an argument, like a lot of the bigger, more popular uh, faces in the game 
uh, generally have a pretty big uh, dislike for the product, and I'm sure that will sway some people's opinions, but that's kind of just like naturally how things go. But when it's this many people who dislike a product, at some point you have to be like, okay, there might be something wrong with the product. And now we've gotten to the point where this is, you know, it's finally, you know, places like the gamer, Kotaku, whatever, are, are these people who make articles and review games are picking up PDCG Live. Uh, and so far I haven't seen a good article about PDCG Live yet. And it is a beta, but I feel like when you go to play a beta, there should be something when you go, when you go to use any product or do anything with any kind of product, there should be something about the product that gets you wanting to come back to the product. It doesn't matter if it's a beta, right? Because if it was, if, if, if the beta was supposed to suck and it was supposed to be like the beta, like every beta is supposed to suck, then no beta would ever lead to anything because no one would want to use it again, right? So the beta still has to have some kind of reason for you to want to use the beta again and play the beta again. So that way you come back for the full release or create hype, creates hype leading up to the full release of the game, right? Sure. But so far, I haven't seen anything good <laughs> being talked about. It's just the same old stuff that people currently like about PDC. But there's nothing like new and good about it that I've seen, about it being oh, the global beta being released. Yeah, it's definitely... Um... It's really disappointing is just kind of the main thing, the main takeaway. Um, I will say, though, with the game coming out as the global beta, I was never able to play on my phone previous to this. So I'd never, uh, even through VPN or traveling to Canada, whatever it may be, to play the <laughs> the desktop version of the game. I was never able to download it through the App Store, the iOS App Store on my phone. But <clears throat> now with the global beta being launched, I have played on my iPhone a bit, and I actually... And I know that this doesn't really, I mean, this this matters somewhat, but <laughs> it's still there's still problems with the game. But I, it has felt really nice to play on my phone, be able to play anywhere, and that is a huge, huge benefit for this game that PTCGO does not have. And I will say the game actions themselves, like dragging cards and using abilities and stuff, it actually does feel good on phone. Now, there are problems here, though, because they, for some reason, have decided that the best way for you to play this game is in portrait mode, <clears throat> vertical mode, like just holding <laughs> – you can play it holding your phone in one hand, which is cool, but the, the board just feels so claustrophobic. You're, like, kind of crammed into this tiny little space, <laughs> and you're, if you have more than three cards in your hand, you have to go through, like, this pinwheel of, like, scrolling to see all the cards in your hand, and it's just – and honestly, after the visual update that they did for PTCG Live on desktop, PTCG Live on mobile did not get the same um, aesthetic update. Like, it looks the same way as the original version of PTCG Live did on desktop with the white background and everything like that. They feel like two different games when you play them because they, they just look so drastically different. It, feel, it really does feel like two different PTCG, uh, Pokemon TCG games. Yeah, and I guess that's a kind of a bad thing, especially from a viewpoint of, and I guess like talking about desktop versus mobile, it's like, um, you want the desktop version, like if the I from what I, all I've heard, I've not played the mobile version yet, and which maybe I should, I've not played the mobile version yet. I've heard it's better than the desktop version, and I believe it, but it doesn't give like a pass to be like, oh, but our mobile version is good. It's okay for our de desktop version to suck. It's like, oh, okay, the mobile version is good. Oh, okay, then I'm not worried about the desktop version at all. Just keep, you know, leave it the way it is. I'm fine with it. We're good. The mobile version is good, right? So there's no excuse for the desktop version to still be so bad. And when all of your content creators, you know, play the game on the desktop or going to be making content around the desktop, you feel like you want it to be uh, one 
well better but two the same as what people are playing on the mobile version as well or closer to it i didn't even like think about that kind of difference in the uh the way things look i kind of assumed now that i'm thinking about it, i guess i kind of assumed that they weren't going to change anything about the mobile version um i guess my only thing with like because i haven't played the mobile version yet would it be if you did if you were able to play it uh horizontally you know hold your phone sideways would everything just be too small on your opponent's side of the field or you think you'd be able to like would it be fine i think that's what they have to be worried about with it um and maybe it would be but like every other card game has done it right successfully Mm -hmm. in some way so there's got to be a way for them to make it work and it's the same uh actually i don't know exactly like what the difference in aspect ratio is and stuff but like i mean theoretically if it can fit on a 1080p monitor it should be able to fit on your phone screen as well like you know you can watch the same youtube video in the same resolution as you can on your phone as you can on a um, computer monitor or whatever so um I, I just think it feels weird, and it's so different than what every other TCG does. Like Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh!, all of them go to the sideways mode for their full games. Like Yu-Gi-Oh! has yep. Duel Links, which you play vertically, but it's like a mini version of... It's like basically if you played Pokemon TCG with 30 card decks and 3 prize cards. That's what Duel Links is for Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, yep. Which maybe that could get away with a... Uh, and like you can only have three bench Pokemon. Like you could probably get away with that just fine in a vertical mode because yep. you wouldn't feel as claustrophobic, but... Um, or like Snap, like Snap was built yeah, to Snap be vertical, so right? right? Yeah, Snap yeah. has 12 cards in its deck. And yeah. <laughs> like, you only have like ne- four cards in hand ever, so like exactly. you're not worried about doing the pinwheel thing to find your cards. <laughs> yes. That sounds awful. After you play a research, you draw seven, and you're just like, I, what am I looking for? What do I have here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say if you're interested in trying out PTCG Live, you know, you can sign up and play the beta without migrating your PTCGO account. Um, so maybe give it a try, see what you think. You do get a lot of cards to start, um, but getting more cards, I think, is also something that is kind of becoming a little bit of an issue. If you are someone who is playing PTCGO regularly and you migrate your account and then you know the way to abuse the celebrations codes, which we've talked about this before on previous episodes, but yeah. pretty much the way you get cards in PTCG Live since there is no trading is to craft cards. And every, the way you craft cards is with credits, and the way you get credits is by obtaining cards in the game that you already own four copies of. So if you have four professors research and you get a a professor's research magnolia, I should specify, if you have like four of the exact same print of a card and you get another one, that'll get turned into credits. And once you get enough credits, you can exchange those for the cards you want to build your decks. And I think this is, in theory, a much better system than trading, especially once you have built up an account. Like I'm at the point now where I've got like 200,000 credits on my account if I just play the game regularly and keep obtaining cards through the battle pass and, you know, through other means in the game, um, I will probably never have to put another real code into the game and I will be fine, most likely, the way it's going. And I think that most people can get to that point, but I think it takes forever to get to that point if you're not coming over with a loaded PTCGO account or spending a lot of money on codes to start with. And there's actually an article from The Gamer, another article, a different one from what we mentioned, where... The writer wrote, I opened 600 packs in Pokemon TCG Live, and I still can't build a decent deck. And some of the things that they cite as issues in this is that you can't dust or get rid of a card until you have more than four copies of it, right? So, yeah, and then it auto-does it. 
and auto does it. And that becomes a problem when there are so many versions of these cards, like especially cards like Boss's Orders and Professor's Research. There's like 40 printings of both of these <laughs> cards between because each. So for Professor's Research, for example, let's just go through it. There's the Hollow Rare from Sword and Shield base set. There's the reverse Hollow version of that. There's also a Hollow Rare in Champion's Path and a reverse Hollow version of that. There's a non-Hollow deck exclusive version of Research Magnolia as well that you could get from the Build and Battle kits. So that's five different versions of Magnolia. But wait, there's also Professor's Research Juniper, which also counts as a card. <laughs> there's hollow versions of that and non-hollow versions of that. Then there's reverse hollow versions of that. Then, uh, then we go to um, Research uh, Professor Oak. There's the full art. And then there's the hollow one. And then there's Research Professor Willow. I mean, it just gets ridiculous. There's so many versions. And you can't get rid of any of these extra copies of the card unless you already have four of them. So like in my account right now, I mean, I could probably pull it up. Um, I probably have like 40 copies of Professor's Research, but I can only ever play four of them. Why can I not get rid of these extra copies of this card? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like they maybe that was the system they wanted to go with. Um, and it sounds like they probably just want to like try and balance around that. They have the idea of that's the system they want to do is like, okay, you open, you get cards, when it hits at four, it gets auto uh, auto dusted, auto credited, but you can't choose to credit a card if you want to. Um, and now they're probably, it sounds like they want to balance the economy around that to make sure people will be able to build, to build decks as they play through the game. Um, but so currently it just feels like it's unbalanced, right? As a free to play game, it feels like it's unbalanced to the point where it's not really free to play. Like, like you said, you got a ton of credits. I did the 400 uh, celebrations code thing. I think I have 300,000 credits on my account so like i don't know it's gonna i think it costs like maybe someone uh, someone had the numbers in chat the other day but it was gonna be like twenty five thousand to thirty thousand credits to build like all the relevant cards from silver tempest i think yeah so the number i've seen from people is like for a new set release you need between 30 to sixty thousand credits kind of depending yeah. on how good the set is right yes. so like something like, like lost origin you would have needed a lot more credits because there's a yeah. lot more relevant cards silver tempest far less so theoretically, I'm set for like over a year at least. And then and then you'll you know, still earn more the, credits. You'll earn yeah. more credits, right? So theoretically, I could be fine for the rest of the time I use PDCG Live, right? When I'm forced to use it, I get on there, start building decks, building cards. Um, maybe for, I'm good for the rest of the time because I'll, I'll accrue that. So it's not truly, it doesn't feel truly, if I need that to keep going every set, it doesn't feel truly free to play. So it definitely feels like it's it's not where they say they what they want it to be or where anyone thinks it should be for being free to play i think for sure like they need to do some tuning either up the stuff you get from the battle pass or make it so you can credit cards you don't want or just make it so you get more credits like make the make it so you get more credits from your fifth copies of stuff or something right like they, they need to fix it somehow yeah there's definitely okay, yeah, opening of... mm -hmm. opening 600 packs and not be able to build a lugia deck seems kind of <laughs> yeah i mean and one of the other things is like there's just so like these sets are so massive so yeah and you can only open up 400 packs from a given set uh from code cards after that the only way to continue to open packs is to obtain them from like the battle pass or you can use crystals to buy them in the in-game shop and that's actually a great way to keep refreshing your credits um even though you've already used 400 celebrations codes is you can just go buy celebrations codes with your crystals in the shop that's like the best way to continue to get credits because crystals are only good for buying the battle pass pretty much um, yeah. or if there's like any special promo that comes out in the shop but you can also just craft the promo so really 
crystals almost feel like a pointless currency to be honest um at times the three currencies i think is just something that doesn't make any sense they got the well it's not really three currencies credits make sense as having a currency to craft stuff with but then past that having the coins and the crystals to me makes absolutely no sense why not just like combine them to one and then you can buy all the stuff with one currency it doesn't make any sense to me at all <laughs> usually it makes sense in games to have that many currencies because one of them you pay for if you want to which has been i've seen an argument from people suggesting that that's why they think uh it will no longer end up being free to play eventually and one of the currencies you'll be able to buy but i think they've said before right they've stated yep. that it will remain a free to play product the goal is for it to continue to be a free to play product yes they don't ever want to add microtransactions yeah that is something that the devs have said that that was something they talked about at their booth at worlds remember we talked about that on the podcast yeah. that someone talked to the game devs and they said yeah we there's no plans to there has have never been and there are no plans to add microtransactions to this game and also for what it's worth i did just go on my phone onto uh, PTCG Live and looked at Professor's research. Uh, there are, in order to have four of every research, you would have 80 copies of Professor's <laughs> research. I've only got 40, so I'm halfway through my collection. I gotta gotta step that up, to be honest. But Yeah, and speaking of that, to be honest, like it does feel like there's, I mean, there's so many things to fix. That's what I'm saying. Like uh, I hate the argument of it's a beta, because even if it is a beta, it's so removed from like... Uh, or it's so different from every beta I've ever played. Every beta I've played of a video game, whether it be a card game or an actual video game, it's always been a enjoyable. Like I, I enjoyed the experience of play of using and playing that product. I have not had that same experience with PTCG Live. I don't want to come back and play PTCG Live after I'm done, right? Or get it when it comes out, right? Like if I if I wasn't invested in the Pokemon TCG community, I just would like be like, well, this wasn't very enjoyable. I'm not going to get PTCG Live when it comes out because the beta it sucks. It doesn't make me want to come back and play the game, right? Um, so it definitely feels like we are the like the. The people who play the PTC July beta are the in-house beta testing team. They just don't want to admit that that's what's going on. Yeah, and all of this, there is a survey that they put out. Azul and I actually, before we started recording, both went through and took the survey ourselves. And it was a long survey. It took about it, was, yeah. it took about 30 minutes to complete. But there was a lot of questions, a lot of places to leave feedback. So we really encourage anyone who has played the PTCG Live beta to definitely go do the survey, fill it out, give your thoughts, and hopefully this can lead to some sort of change and potentially they will take note and adjust the, the issues and move forward to a place where this game is becomes everything that we know it could potentially be. I mean, it'll definitely lead forward to change, but the questions they were asking sounds like stuff that the dev should be sitting around a table talking about. So it's like, well, once again, this just kind of comes back to the point where it feels like we just work for TPCI as like beta grunts. Like we're just like <laughs> beta testing grunts. Like it's they didn't put out like a product to fine tune out of a beta. They gave us like the raw ideas and then we had to kind of put stuff together to get it to a point where it actually is enjoyable because once again like i said like it just should it should be an enjoyable experience it shouldn't be perfect there should be bugs there should be glitches there should be imbalances um like any beta there like any beta there is but it should be an experience where you leave it where a majority of people leave the experience being like oh i want to come back and do this again and I know there's people who argue, I enjoyed it. Yes, you enjoyed it. Some people enjoy it. But the only thing I ever hear, that the consistent thing I hear that people enjoy is I got my free Lugia deck when I signed up for the beta. 
but that's not playing the game that's getting free cards like of course people love free stuff and that's great it's great that they give you free cards when you first sign up and it's great that the battle pass seems pretty reasonable with giving you the new cool decks uh, and the crafting system of course is also great yes we get it i know someone's typing a comment right now but i love being able to craft all the new cards whenever i want to yes i know and everyone every time a new set comes out someone makes a joke in my chat uh when i'm like opening packs to get cards like well i have the 4-4 lugia right now on pdcg lives like yep i get it that's great but then when you go to play a game it's just the experience is so much worse than ptcgo it's the actual playing of the pokemon tcgs that's so much worse and when over half or at least half i won't say over half it feels like over half the community but let's say at least half the community feels like it is an inferior product to ptcgl and overall and unenjoyable besides the crafting system i mean just like yeah who's gonna want to come back to I, I forget where i started with this to be honest <laughs> who's gonna want to come back to play this yeah. it's it's ridiculous about wanting um, and it doesn't the beta it, making you want to come back and play the game yeah yeah yeah. it doesn't make any it doesn't make me want to come back and play it it seems like it doesn't make at least like 50 percent of the community want to come back and play it yeah um mm -hmm. and yeah you should want to come back and play it after you play in the beta even if it is a beta and there are problems of course you should still want to come back and and experience the product again which i just feel like at least at least a majority you want a majority of people who experience your product to come back and want to experience the product again but that's just not at all seems to be the uh the experience we have with the articles and just like the i mean we're in the community so we see people complain about it all the time it's uh, unfortunate i mean we're still here talking about it i guess a year later so i guess all, all press is good press or something is it though i mean at some point i don't know we've been getting a lot of press from me for sure <laughs> Well, let us know your thoughts on where things are with PTCG Live down below. Have you tried the beta, and uh, are you enjoying it at all? It is great that they give you uh, so many of the cards. Like, I was with the new Battle Pass. If you get to Tier 8, they give you enough cards to build the Lugia deck if you get to Tier 8 on the Battle Pass, which you can get to in just um, a couple days' worth of playing. Uh, it does take a couple days of playing because of the way that you earn... Um, you know the way you level up your battle pass like you have to play a lot in order to get there but um if you do that do your daily challenges you will get there in just a couple of days and then have the cards which is great i mean and i think that is the hardest thing about ptcgo is just getting access to the cards but once you get the the thing is it's easy to get the cards on it's like what you said it's easy to get the cards on ptcg live but the playing experience is terrible PTCGO is the literal opposite because yeah. <laughs> getting the cards is impossible. But then once you're yeah. playing, the game feels good. The game does feel yeah. really good. And PTCGO has awesome. not always felt good. Let's not forget. PTCGO yeah. has come a long way from where it was. Um, and, and it feels and looks so much better than PTCG Live. It just does. Yeah. It just it does. does. Yeah. Um, Especially on desktop. I yeah. mean, I guess there's no real mobile version to compare to, but. Yeah. And. If they could take PTCGO and add crafting, add a real ranked ladder, and put yep. it on iOS to put it on people's phones, I mean, that's like the dream world right there. And I think, <laughs> like, just repackage it up, you know, turn off PTCGO, rename it, make it a new game so you can market it, and it would be so successful, probably. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's so disappointing to see because we love the Pokemon TCG. I mean, it is our lives, the Pokemon TCG, right? <laughs> and all we want is for more people to love and enjoy the game as much as we do. And a mobile game is such a great way to get it in front of millions of people. And this game is just not ever going to do that. Yeah, yeah. And once again, get it. It's a beta. But the experience of playing PTCG Live, even in its beta form, 
um, should be enjoyable and should definitely be and feel like an upgrade uh, kind of all around compared to PTCGO. But it feels like the only thing that upgraded was the acquiring of cards, which isn't the actual gameplay, which should have such a bigger emphasis on it because that's what you're going to be doing theoretically a majority of the time when you're on ptcgo is like 50 50 split half the time you're trading for the cards <laughs> yeah, yeah. half the time you're playing with the cards on ptcg live it's like two percent of the time you're making the deck getting the cards and then 98 percent of the time you're playing but it's a playing experience is uh unenjoyable uh and it's specifically worse than its its predecessor that just doesn't seem right to me even in beta form yes i know it's a beta so it's it always gets thrown out that's always the, <laughs> the but argument it's, back. It's but it's a beta beta it's not a good enough excuse for how big of a company Pokemon is uh, and how big of a brand they are. It's not a reasonable excuse. Well, you know what's not... By the way, I think... To, uh, me and Chip... Uh, I'm, I'm <clears throat> Speaking for Chip here, which I'm sure Chip agrees, we're not putting this on the devs, which is what something I, some people always like to bring that up as well. We're not putting it on the dev team. We're putting this on Pokemon. They need to hire... I, mean, I don't know how good the devs are. They need to hire more devs, better devs, or people who have done this before... That's where they kind of messed up initially is bringing this in-house team of inexperienced, not a big enough team, whatever it was, it doesn't really matter, but it's on Pokemon to have just kind of their first steps. They kind of messed up, you know, you know, whenever they started doing this at, at that point, when they brought on this size of a dev team, or maybe these specific people and not finding people who are more experienced in this space or something like that. That's where like the real mess up started. Sure. Well, you know, it's like, not nothing against the devs, you know, it's not in beta Personally. Azul. <laughs> what's not in beta ptcgo is not in beta and you All know right. what people do on ptcgo they play in online tournaments and there have been a lot of online tournaments going on and they play pokemon and they enjoy it yes <laughs> well i'm transitioning here you're kind of yeah, i know i know <laughs> <laughs> you're butchering it playing online tournaments <laughs> yes Go ahead, take it away, Chip. Talk to us about online And there have been plenty of them happening in this new Silver Tempest format. We're about a week and a half in now to the official release, so we got kind of a better idea of where things are sitting. And this is something, um, I guess you as a player, someone who's going to be competing at LAIC, someone who obviously hopes to win the tournament, um, how much stock do you put in these online tournaments when it comes to aiding you in predicting what the metagame might look like moving into this international championship? Um, I feel like it's usually the online meta is a pretty good indication of what are the good, fairly popular decks. Um, I don't think it's like you should only kind of work off of that. You do want to try and make some, do some guesswork and assumptions on what will people tech for? What should you tech for? What should you not tech for based on what you actually think are the best decks? Um, and then also just like, you know, how popular would things really be? Like, I don't think Kieran was the most popular deck by far before Peoria, and then Peoria happened, and Kieran was the most popular deck by far. So yeah. I think that's a good example of that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a usually pretty good indication of what are the powerful, solid decks right now. Um, not a great indication of always of what are people actually going to bring at the tournament or what are people actually going to tech for and try and beat. Uh, but it's a good starting point for sure. And it's good practice as well. I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of people don't know about the tournaments too. So if you guys are looking to play in some online tournaments on PTCGO, go over to play.limitlesstcg.com. From there, you should be able to handle it. It's pretty straightforward to get into tournaments and start playing in them yourselves as long as you have a PTCGO account with a functioning standard deck. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely a good starting point, I think, for sure. So let's look at some of these results. And this is just going to be from all of the Silver Tempest tournaments that have happened so far on limitless 54 tournaments 3314 players 8640 unique matches and so from all of that information so far 
without much surprise, Lugia Archaeops, the number one most popular deck at 17% of the meta share. Yeah, no surprise there. Um, I think the biggest thing to kind of take a look at, um, I, I guess like the following that, no surprise as well as Mew is number two. Mew has kind of been like the constant, I feel like, since its release, where it's like, you know, Arceus has come in and out, and now we see Palkia has come in, and now it's actually kind of going out. Mew is like, nah, I'm still here. I'm going to keep, I'm the, I'm the one powerhouse who's not going away. Um, yeah, Lugia, the new powerhouse, definitely the most uh, dominant deck right now, the highest played deck. I think that will maintain, of course, for a little while. Um, but then we see some drop-off of some of the, or I guess we see a little bit of a rise, a little bit of drop-off, right? Lost Box, finally getting popular. Um, and then we see Giratina, the number one deck from last format, it's kind of fallen out, fallen down quite a bit. Yeah, it's down to fifth on the, you know, where it's at on the Limitless rankings from uh, MetaShare right now at 8% of that meta. I actually think giratina is probably going to be a bit more popular than this at laic and part of the reason for that is that these latin american players have not had a tournament since the world's format there has not been a tournament in the lost origin format and so i think we'll see some of them pick up these decks that are really powerful like the lost box like the giratina and just go with them because they just haven't had a chance to to play them at a high level yet yeah i could see that definitely being um Possible, yeah. I, I, I could see like decks, like decks you see on this that are not very popular that have been super popular in the past. The Palkia and Teleon, uh, the Giratina, uh, and the Kieran Palkia as well, all the way down there at uh, was it three percent uh, from the second most popular deck in the format uh, at the major tournaments. I don't think it was ever really that popular online. It was always in like the top five range, uh, in the top three for a little while, but it was never like a dominant number one deck in online in the online tournament space. Um, so, uh, but that one's fallen down quite a bit as well. Um, I definitely think Palkia and Giratina are probably a little bit better than their current meta shares, but of course, everyone's trying to play the cool new decks, right? Um, that is definitely opposed... a part of it with the online tournaments, yeah. right? Yeah, and that is Lugia. And also, there's so many different ways that people are playing Lost Box these days. There's, there's definitely a lot of hype around Lost Box right now. Of course, there's the Sables Art, but there's so many other ways that people are playing it right now with all the Amazing Res and stuff. So that's why that is so popular right now, I feel like, overall. But I do feel like the Lost Box decks in general, which I kind of talked about Last format has kind of been like an intimidating, intimidating deck that people were kind of scared to pick up. Um, I feel like maybe that's come around a little bit. Maybe more people are picking it up, but I think it's really the the diversity, the diversity of the different ways to play it that has really caught a lot of people's eyes. And now they want to give those other kind of builds a chance. Where Sablesard, they maybe weren't super confident and wanted to test it out or try it out. But when you got like the Kyogre and stuff going around in those decks, you got to give those a shot, and then you start to enjoy it and like it. And now you're kind of sticking with it and going with it from there. Yeah, speaking of the Kyogre, Lost Box did win the Limitless Showdown, which is the biggest online tournament, um, you know, I guess every month that they have these things, right? I think it's once a month. Yeah, um, once a month, yeah. And these tournaments are really big. There's lots of great players in them. It's a little awkward, I think, the Americans, it's the time zone that kind of gets the, uh, especially the West Coast. I think the tournaments start, Yeah, like, if you wanted to play in this, you'd have to wake up at like probably 5 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, um, it starts at 7 a.m. for me, so that's why I don't ever play in them. I'll maybe try and do the next, next month's one, though. We'll try. Yeah. So it's a little early on a Saturday as well. So I don't ever really love waking up that early on a Saturday. But mm -hmm. um, a few Americans obviously did still play in it. And a lot we see a lot of Japanese players in the uh, – they do an asymmetrical cut. So of the top ten, what, there's six Japanese players here. And the tournament was won by a Japanese player with the Lost Box deck. And they were playing kind of a new interesting card. You know, usually traditionally we see Radiant Charizard be the go-to for – the Sable Zard deck. Now it's Sableye Greninja with 
that Kyogre you mentioned from Celebration. So tell us about this card a little bit, Azul. Why, like, are people playing it? Why is it good? Yeah, so say, I mean, Lost Box decks in general need some kind of closer. And, uh, of course, we saw Charizard being the go-to one that people used uh, initially. And I guess you could play the Charizard here in here as well. But when you play so many energy, the Greninja becomes a powerful. And the reason you play so many energy is because the Kyogre has an attack, Aqua Storm, for Water, Water, Colorless, where you discard the top five cards of your deck. And then you use two of your opponent's bench Pokemon. And then you do 50 damage for each energy you discarded uh, in this way to each of those Pokemon. So you can do 500 damage, 250 to two Pokemon on your opponent's bench. Uh, and that doesn't quite KO V-Stars or V-Maxes. But your early game, you got Sableyes and Cramorants to set up damage. Uh, and it does KO stuff like Crobat, Luminion, Genesect. Uh, and you kind of just like turbo through your deck, attacking with Sableye, Cramorant. This list specifically has a Snorlax and a Raikou V in here as well. And Radiant Greninja is also a great attacker as well. Um, and then eventually at the end of the game, you kind of deck yourself out. And then there's three, I mean, this list, there's three Energy Recycler. And you have the Mirage Gate, of course, to set up the Kyogre or Snorlax and Raikou throughout the game. And you deck yourself out. Mirage Gate to your Kyogre, and then you play an Energy Recycler, put five Energy cards back in your deck, and then you use the Aqua Storm, and you put 500 damage in play, and, I mean, that better be enough to win the game, because you're decking out after that, so hopefully that's enough. <laughs> and you can do it before you, you go all the way to the end to of the that, game. Right? Like, yeah, you, you can, can set it up to that point. the 30s with the Sableye, know that you're yeah. going to go 5-5, five, five, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and then, then you close out the game with the, it's kind of like a different way to have a closer, and it's a little, it's definitely more powerful than Charizard, I would say. You do need quite a few more pieces to get it going, but from what we've seen from the results recently, this tournament and others, I mean, it's doing consistently well in these online tournaments. Yeah, really interesting way to play the deck. I'm not sure who like played it first like this initially, but um, it just goes to show when someone flips over a comfy <laughs> at a tournament, you don't really know what's coming next. And that's just kind of one of the cool pieces. Like, that's why I, after Lost Origin came out, like, so many people just gravitated towards this engine because you can do so much with it. Mirage yeah. Gate is such an insanely powerful card. Um, anything like this that lets you just cheat extra energies out of your deck feels so cool to, you know, there's just so many different options, so many ways you can do different things here. Um, but yeah, this list really unique and I would love to see some of this come out at LAIC. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future about uh, and later on in the podcast, which version of Lost Box we think is better or maybe people should lean towards. Um, but even though this Lost Box deck did win the tournament, Lugia was still the most popular. 65 of the like 340-ish players, I think, something like that. It's like 19% um, of the meta. Yeah, so pretty, pretty sizable still. And it did do yeah. well as well um, with players. What if It got second, third, and then there's another one in top eight as well. Yeah, so yeah, Lugia is still like overall most popular deck, uh, probably most dominant deck. And I think this is like when uh, stuff was a little bit less developed in the form. Actually, when was this tournament? It was on the 19th. Oh, this, I guess it was, it was like two, yeah. two days ago. Never yeah, mind, yeah, never mind. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, because I feel like I've been seeing more Lugia be more popular in tournaments. So maybe that's just like literally over the last couple of days I've been taking note of that. But yeah, I mean, it's still a lot. 20%, I think, of any deck that shows uh, a decent amount of dominance. Um, it's not the 30% that we saw with Mew when Mew first came out, but. I could definitely get there. Or when we got DTE with Mew. I guess when tournaments came back and we had Mew. Um, but it was a pretty, overall, it was a pretty diverse top guy, to be honest. There's a couple of Tinos, a couple of Mews, uh, and Arc Duraladon, and then a couple of Sable boxes. The other Sable box was a different build with the uh, the Sable Zard. So a bunch of different ways. Of course, there's like the, there's like the Amazing Rare Rayquaza build as well. So there's so many different ways to play the, the Lhasa Index. Um, not all of them are great, <laughs> but I think Kyogre is the one that can kind of compete on the level that Sable Zard can for sure. 
We've got a couple different Lugia lists here as well. The player who got second place did not play Evil Tall, played Radiant Charizard, though, and Reggie Gigas also was rocking the Manaphy and the Dunsparce in here, which is kind of what we've seen from most of these Lugia decks, though the third place Lugia did play Manaphy, did not play Dunsparce, does have the Evil Tall, the Radiant Charizard, and that amazing Raikou. So just tons of different attackers uh, to choose from. And there's really not like a defined way to play Lugia. Also, online tournaments, um, the like heavy path version of the deck has still been doing well. That's a way that a lot of people like to play it. Reagan Retzloff bubbled out of cut, or not bubbled because there's no bubble in this, but he played in the tournament. He was also playing the Evil Tall Charizard version of the deck, but lots of different ways people are trying out the Lugia V-Star still. I mean, I think everyone kind of has recognized incredibly powerful card and we're far from seeing the end of it, I think. Yeah, definitely. A lot of ways to play it. I mean, I think there, I think there probably could be a little bit like there's like the more consistent builds, like the build with the Gigas and the Charizard, no Yvetal. Um, and then there's the ones, you know, you commit to the Yvetal and having all those options, but then it's like a little bit more awkward to consistently pull off those options. So I think there will at the end probably yeah, maybe not. Maybe one one build will kind of show itself as being the more dominant of the two, the more I think about it. We'll see, though. Maybe they both can kind of compete. Maybe Lugia is just so good. There's a couple different ways you can play it that are about equally uh, equally powerful in skill level, or not skill level, in power level, and then maybe just like kind of depending on the matchups you hit on the day, one is going to be better than the uh, than the other. So a little bit more consistent with the paths versus a little bit less consistent with the more Aurora attackers, but your power level is definitely a little bit higher to have access to stuff like the Yvetal or the Raikou and stuff like that. So this was another interesting tournament that took place this past week that I wanted to talk about. This was the late night invitational. I think this was actually Friday night, so just still like the day before the limitless uh, the limitless um, showdown tournament. So um, this is a tournament that was a invitational, so you had to earn points to play through the late night tournaments throughout the course of their late night season. So theoretically, this is going to be like the best finishing online players, and there's a lot of really good IRL players in this top uh cut as well or who just like participated in this tournament i mean the main one that sticks out to me is pram here got seventh place played mu genesect michael pram mm -hmm. um alex shamansky participated in this tournament too he didn't do the best unfortunately it looks like he chose to play uh uh crobat wheezing for some reason but uh <laughs> and went one two drop <laughs> which is an interesting choice but uh yeah definitely something to make note of here and one of the things I wanted to bring up about this is that, so this is theoretically some of the best players in the online space. So um, when they are analyzing the tournaments, you know, they're going to try to make the best meta call that they can. Well, 50% of the meta, 43%, I should say, was Lugia Archaeops. <laughs> 37 players, 20 of them decided to go with Lugia Archaeops. Yeah, all that meta analysis coming down to just playing Lugia Archaeops. Yes, <laughs> just play yeah. the best deck which we do see pretty often in general. A lot of people just kind of gravitate with you. There's nothing else that you can come up with that's not better than the best deck. Just play the best deck. Um, and that is, it is like we're kind of going back to that kind of meta, right? Like we saw it with Mew. We saw it with Palkia. Then we got Lost Origins. And the meta really opened up. And there's a lot of good decks, a lot of powerful decks. And now we get something that's so powerful and polarizing like the Lugia. And it's so versatile that you can't just be like, hmm, I'm going to have a good matchup against Lugia by playing this deck. Because then Lugia can just be like, hmm, I'll put in Dunsparce, I'll put in Manaphy, I'll put in this tech attacker, uh, Stoutland for the Lost Box matchup, right? Like all these little things that Lugia can choose to play to all of a sudden make their unfavorable matchup favorable uh, or turn their 50-50s to favorable. Like it's hard to even get above a 50-50 against Lugia. Um, and then once again, it's beating you or favorable against you and uh, just feels bad. So yeah, that, when that happens, you get these metas where it's like, you know, Lugia and the Invitational is 40%. 
I wouldn't be surprised to get close to 40% or probably around 30% of the meta at like LAIC of Lugia being like 30%. I wouldn't be that surprised to see that happen, to be honest. And uh, yeah, we're going back to one of those metas where it kind of revolves around that that one deck. And it's like, can your deck compete with it? Kind of. Okay, you can play it, I guess. But um, at the end of the day, most of the time, it, you should just be playing the deck itself. True. So would you expect to see, I guess, like you kind of answered that a little bit, like similar meta percentages, like it sounds like you want to see, or you'll likely expect to see a little bit more Lugia than what we've seen in some of these online events where like the average overall is 17% meta share. These things like Mew, Lost Zone Box, Reggie's that's sitting at 9%. Do you expect similar meta shares for a lot of these decks? Um, I mean, yeah, I think Lugia will get up to like... I think Lugia definitely could be around like 30% for sure. Uh, the other stuff is a little bit harder to tell, um, like moving forwards into like IRL events, like if they'll kind of maintain. I think Lugia and Mew will be the two most popular decks. So it seems like Mew can compete with Lugia. Um, of course, the kind of trade-off there is there's not a Drapion for Lugia, but there's a Drapion for Mew. So anytime someone's sure like, yo, is. I'm having it. It's Raichu, bro. I don't I don't know about that. They have Dunspar. <laughs> hey, some That's of these people aren't playing it though some but not all you have to make that gamble yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's no real there's no drapeon for lugia so anytime someone's like okay i can compete against the lugia deck but the second most popular deck Mew, i'm kind of struggling against okay i'll put a drapeon in so like yeah you can play Mew for now until it becomes too popular and then you're just gonna get drapeon by the decks that are trying to compete with lugia consistently so um yeah i mean yeah i think lugia and Mew will be the two most popular for a little while at least but anytime the anytime Mew gets kind of too popular to just people just are adding drapeons to everything so yeah I'm uh, going to be really interested to see if with Scarlet and Violet base set, you mentioned Drapion V. Like, what if they just continue the trend? In Scarlet Violet base set, we get some ridiculous lightning attacker that, like, <laughs> ignores. It says, like, if there's a Dunsparce in play, ignore its ability or something like that. Like, I mean, that's basically what they did with Drapion V. Right? Yeah, 100, like, 140 damage. If there's a Dunsparce in play, your opponent must put it in the discard pile or discard any Dunsparce yeah, in play. Yeah, yeah, As it comes into play, your opponent must discard any Dunsparce in play. And then for a double, for like a, a DTE, it does like 160 damage or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's coming. Just wait, bro. It's 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 going to happen. Scarlet Violet base set. Coming in February. Lugia killer on the on the horizon. <laughs> Um, it would be interesting like it's like speaking of that i i feel like they probably wouldn't do something like that because i feel like they are trying to like do something big with exs like where it kind of separates itself from what we're currently doing but maybe i'm over maybe i'm overthinking it and hoping for too much yeah (laughs) hoping for too much to actually what they're going to be end up giving us but hopefully it's it is a step in the right direction of a little bit more of uh uh in-depth pokemon games returning we'll see so is there anything farther down on the chart here that you expect to see a like a reasonable enough uptick in meta percentage at laic like to me seeing palkia and telian at number 10 only 2.78 percent of the meta like i feel like it's i mean i know it's not as good as it was but it's still pretty strong so i think i think the two that we kind of talked about giratina and palkia and telian would be the two that i could see definitely seeing an uptick um, and then I think Arc Duraludon maybe as well. Um, people are just going to be playing as kind of a, you know, counter, a hard counter Lugia because if enough people aren't playing like enough Parasols, then you definitely can uh, get a dub over on uh, Lugia Archaeops if they don't have the vacuums or some way to remove Parasols once you get a Parasol down on your Duraludon. So um, if they catch enough Lugias kind of sleeping, uh, then I guess that's, that could work. I still don't think the deck's very good, but so I think those three would be the ones to maybe see an uptick in 
in meta percentage, but even Giratina at around eight percent is maybe just fair where it is. So I, I would say maybe Palkia then, and and the Arcturaldon only for the fact that people think it probably has a better Lugia matchup than it does, or you know it could just kind of the Lugia players could be all just cutting their vacuums. I've definitely seen less yeah. vacuum as of late. I've cut it from my list currently, um, but if I'm if I'm saying that right now, it makes me kind of want to put it back in for <laughs> Arcturaldon if I end up playing Lugia. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, those are the three I think I would see maybe maybe seen a little bit of a rise. All right, well, before we talk about LAIC much more, let's get into everyone's favorite segment of the cast, Guess That Flavor Text, where each week Azul or I will pick a card, read the flavor text off it, and then the other host has to guess what Pokemon we are reading off of. You, of course, get access to three different lifelines. If you get the flavor text correct, if you guess the Pokemon without using any of the lifelines, you get four points. You lose a point for each lifeline that you use. And the three lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. Someone in the comments last week was talking about how we need to adjust um, the way that we do the lifelines in some way because... They're not helping us as much, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> and also because the what set the card is from doesn't help you at all, pretty much. <laughs> so maybe we need to try to find a new one there. We can revisit it at some point, but it is Azul's yeah. turn to pick. Azul, what you got for me, man? All right, Chip. <clears throat> the special membrane, special membrane covering its eyes can sense the heat of objects. Heat of objects, so it can see its surroundings even in darkness. Wow, I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> the heat. All right, read it one more time. Mem There's <sighs> so much happening here. Membranes, heat, darkness. Like we the got special membrane covering its eyes can sense the heat of objects, so it can see its surroundings even in darkness. Someone suggested this one for me, by the way. I forget who it was, but uh, well, shout out to you them. Are, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I've got no clue. I don't even have like the. I, I can you read it one more time? I'm sorry. I think this is the first time I've ever <laughs> that we've ever had someone read it three times. The special membrane covering its eyes can sense the heat of objects, so it can see its surroundings even in darkness. It can see its surroundings even in darkness. So I mean, this is gonna make me think of like some sort of ghost or dark type, I guess. But it could be like dark fire, maybe. I mean, the heat of membranes. I mean, does it have like fire oh, eyes? The, All right, the special membrane the special covering membrane. its eyes can sense the heat of objects. Okay, can so sense can the see heat of objects. Its surroundings even in darkness. Okay, I'm so I to let on. <laughs> I've just got like nothing, man. I've I've genuinely I'm so I mean I'm kind of thinking of like Litwick or Lampent, something like that with like the like, but that's just so the heat uh yeah uh, the membranes covering its eyes at first when you said membrane my first thought was like um solosis or duosion like one of those pokemon you know the cell type pokemon that was kind of what i was thinking initially but the rest of the flavor text has got nothing to do with those guys so i'm ruling them out <laughs> completely i'm definitely using some lifelines here let me have you give me what set the card is from uh black and white okay well there is a Solosis Duosian Reuniclus line in black and white base set. Okay. Uh, what stage is the card? This is stage one. And I'll have you read an attack name. Bite. Oh, 
I don't think Duosion's doing very much biting. No. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a Dark-type Pokemon's attack. There is a Zork in Black-White base set, um, but Zork, I mean, that's the Foul Play one, and it has Nasty Plot, I think, is the other attack. Um, What other Black-White base set? I mean, the fact that it's Black-White base set does help a bit, actually. I'm just going to have to think about a Dark-type that came out in Gen 5. That would never help me. I'd be like, well, I have no clue. <laughs> the ba- knowing the mean, ba- Actually, you know, it would maybe help a bit. I do remember some cards. Yeah, yeah. Black and white base set. Um, I only remember the competitive cards. That's the thing. I mean, there's like a Mandibuzz. There's a Bisharp. Is it, could it be Bisharp? That. No, there's no membranes covering Bisharp's eyes. The Psychic type. I'm just genuinely so lost, man. I, I'm going to roll with... <sighs> I mean, a bish, a bite. What has bite? Oh, um, could it be? I think it's a fighting type. I actually don't even know if there is one. Could it be Crocorock? Maybe that's a dark type. It might. That probably has bite. I'm gonna go with Crocorock. Honestly, I don't think There's that's no right. Way. I got it. No way. I got it. Is it Crocorock? <laughs> yes. yes. Oh my god, no way! You just said Crocorock! Oh, is he. Oh my gosh. I'm looking like, it up now. Dark type oh Pokemon in this set. I think there's a Crocorock. It is a <laughs> fighting type, but it's a dark type in the games, too. Oh yeah. my gosh. Bro, this guy, the membranes, is that what this black strip is over his eyes? Yeah, I guess. That's the oh membrane that covers his eyes. Oh, my gosh. I got it. I got a point. <laughs> oh. Well, now you're leading, right? I think, or do you have a lead by two points I think I, I think it's just one. I think it's five to four. I think it's five to four. My gosh. That is ridiculous that you somehow got to crock a rock. That is absurd. Oh, the life, dude, the, dude, we're never getting rid of the what set the card is from lifeline. <laughs> Thank you, black, white, base set. Honestly, I wonder if there's like an emerging pack. Like, if there is there another set that has the exact same? Yeah, there's there's one in plasma freeze. If you had picked this Crocorock that has the exact same flavor text, it also has the bite attack, and it's from plasma freeze. I would have never gotten it right. <laughs> Wrong Crocorock, I guess. This is just the one that someone uh, linked me. Oh wait, no, it's, it's not the one. exact same. So never mind. But this one oh, would have okay. been hard too. Anyway, Crocorock. It does look kind of like he's wearing shades. It makes sense. Especially in that sense. artwork. Actually, no, it looks like one of those things. You ever go to like the eye doctor um, and they give you those things to wear after like the. <laughs> yeah. I, think, looks I like thought they only gave those to you whenever you had like cataract surgery. Or maybe no, it's just one. Oh, I, like, I feel like I've had this one before. All right. That's enough. Vision insurance Chip is a scam. My points. wife and I argue about this every single year when we talk about <laughs> <laughs> insurance. Vision insurance, not worth it, bro. Not worth it unless you have glasses and need it. I guess that. How do you? Then, but you need to figure out if you. Worth it. You need to know if you need glasses Bro, by going I've, to get your I, eyes every checked. Every single time I've ever taken an eye test, they've told me I had twenty twenty vision. I don't have any sort of astigmatism or anything. I'm I'm lucky in that front. My wife is the same way, but she still keeps her vision insurance and goes and gets her eyes checked every. What about the year. people who need who eventually need glasses? I guess maybe you just once you realize something's wrong, then just go go get checked up. Yeah, is that you're saying go, then you go get it checked out, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, you can't see anymore. Go to the eye doctor. <laughs> oh, advice from Chip. All right. Let us know how you guys did in the Guess That Flavor text this week. Did you get 
Crocorock somehow and did was the the guess the the hint of black and white base set or the the set being black and white was that the what got you there um but yeah laic is coming up chip you're casting i'm playing and uh i mean i guess we could start talking about like what do you think i mean lukia gonna be the most popular deck yes, right i don't think it's yes. like a question how popular i mean we're kind of going like i said we're going back to one of those formats we're going back to the mu 30 percent formats the palkia 40 percent 50 percent at world's kind of formats right i think that's yeah. where we're headed it seems like how popular do you think lugia is going to be i mean i think lugia will be the most played and i think like number two and maybe not that far behind it is going to be mew and i think mew is going to be a pretty strong pick for the tournament this weekend just because i mean especially if people are playing there's like less decks that are playing the um the drapion like pretty much just giratina yeah. is playing drapion it feels like and not even all of them are playing drapion i mean i guess most of them probably should be but um i would yeah <laughs> yeah and it pro it does fine against mew it does do fine against mew um and with the fusion strike build as well that is an option but a lot of people have been playing the non-fusion strike build you played the interesting one this week yeah. with the the marnies and the path to the peaks um and the four lost vacuum which is pretty interesting um I mean, yeah, I guess the question would be top three most played decks. I think it's definitely Lugia Mew is one and two. The question becomes number three, and it's probably either Lost Box or Giratina. One of those two, hard to pick one. If I had to pick, though, I think I would say Lost Box takes it. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to call Lost Box to be. I think so currently in like online metas, it's been going uh, Lugia, Lost Box, Mew. But I think Mew will probably be second most popular actually at LAIC. And I don't think Lost Box will drop under anything else. Um, so I think Lost Box will be probably the third most popular deck, um, which is like weird because like yeah, for like I mentioned for a long time it just was like a very powerful deck. I think last format, uh, fairly unpopular. It won the first regional in the format. It won the last regional in the format. And I think it definitely could have won some more in between if more people had kind of picked it up. Uh, but of course, like there is the other. There's so many different ways to play it now that people are trying out. Um, so I think that probably has to be the big catalyst behind why it is more popular. There's just so many different ways to play it. Maybe some people just didn't like Sables Art, but they like the Kyogre build and so on, right? Um, so Lost Box, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it will end up being the third most popular, but I wouldn't be surprised if it actually overtakes Mew and is the, the second most popular deck overall. But that I think that'll be the top three pretty solidified. Uh, and then Giratina probably, Giratina and Reggie will be four and five, I think, under them. So we know, I mean, we both agree, and I think everyone agrees going in, Lugia will be the most popular deck. And I mean, I don't think it's going to be a situation like where Peoria, everyone knew that Lost Box was going to be the most popular deck, and then it was like fifth. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs> this is definitely a little no. bit different of a situation. There's no counterplay really to Lugia. Lugia is just super powerful and maybe borderline oppressive. I don't know that it's quite to that point um, because there are decks that can stand up to it, but the uh, the decks that stand up to it are just like equally as high power level. It feels like it's like Lugia, yeah, Lugia, Mew, Mew and uh, and Giratina, right? Yeah, I mean, would you what would you think about you know Mew at the beginning of last season and then Palkia? Would you consider those to be oppressive? Because at Worlds, Palkia was 50% of meta in day one and then 44% of meta in day two. And I don't know if that counted like Kirum Palkia decks, like what I played or not, uh, or Ice Rider Palkia decks. I don't know if it counted those in the kind of the Palkia meta percentage. But would you consider those numbers oppressive from Mew and Palkia? I mean, they were the most played. I think the difference is where is the counterplay, right? And yeah. uh, in the, even in the Mew format, when it was... That one is probably the best example of oppressive because the counterplay to Mew was really Gengar, and Gengar was not that good. It really was never yeah. that good. Single strike, like, 
the whole deck is just like a lot more inconsistent. It did do well and obviously ended up winning a regionals, the Arceus Gengar version of the, the deck um, in Salt Lake City last year. But um, so that one, I would probably say so. Um, Palkia and Teleon, maybe a little bit less so, I would say. Uh, just because, I mean, obviously we saw what happened at NAIC and Worlds. There was a counterplay to it in the the Arceus Flying Pikachu. So maybe a little less oppressive there, but I think Mew definitely fits the oppressive uh, category pretty nicely in the Fusion Strike in early Brilliant Stars format. Yeah, I, mean, I think Palkia, like, I think Palkia is like a more powerful deck overall compared to like what was had to go against it. I agree. And yeah, Arceus. But it doesn't I have mean, an easy answer there. to its weakness, right? Like if you if you if you set up two flying Pikachus, you like win that game, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> yeah, just that a, is true. It's a race of getting to that and making your deck consistent enough to get there. Um, yeah, yeah, that is fair. Um, and I guess we'll have to see where Lugia falls in that. But I think if we're going back to a similar kind of format. Like NAIC was three decks. Worlds was like. More there was more decks played at Worlds in bigger numbers, but Palkia was more popular at Worlds, right? It's almost like, like if you look at like the the it's almost like when the tournament gets smaller, the better deck gets more popular, right? If you look at the the late invitational, Lugia was forty percent of the meta. You look at the Worlds Ch- World Championship way smaller. Uh, what's up? Yeah, day two of Worlds way smaller than like a regionals, and L- Palkia was like 40 percent of that, like Palkia and Teleon. So like that's pretty crazy numbers overall. I feel like in in a card game for the most part, right? And I think Lugia. Yeah, probably could get close to like 30% at uh, LAIC and uh, could continue to grow from there, to be honest. Like if reasonable counters aren't really discovered to the point where you're actually, because you can't just, it's not just about beating Lugia, right? That's the thing about how a meta works. You can't just beat Lugia and then lose to everything else, right? And the current stages, like if Lugia gets to 70% of the meta, you could do that. But I think if Lugia got to 70% of the meta, there would be a problem <laughs> fundamentally with the game and an errata might have to happen because that's a very large yeah, percentage. I don't think we're seeing that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I mean, it would not surprise me if Lugia takes five of the top eight spots this weekend. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. And um, then we go into Toronto and look at the meta share chart and it's 45% of the meta yeah it could just keep growing we'll I see i think that could in, um, that could definitely happen yeah definitely uh, hopefully it doesn't get there hopefully it kind of it doesn't feel worse than like it doesn't like feel like more bigger than palky or mew was hopefully if, if it gets as big as them that's kind of like all right that's whatever um we just have to deal with that until the next set drops and hopefully that can kind of rebalance things out in terms of um you know one ba- one deck not being that popular uh but besides lugia do you think there's any other silver tempest decks that can even compete competitively like we got the we got reggie we got the reggie v max and the v star drago and lecky is there anything else i mean that's it uh, the the or the reggie lecky that you mentioned first that that is it that is really the best shot for another silver tempest deck to do well i mean alolan vulpix it's on the the box art but it ain't happening <laughs> no shot reggie drago that is mega cap that is never happening um <laughs> speaking of alolan vulpix it actually has the worst win percentage on limitless tournaments since <laughs> silver tempest that's a dropped. great stat <laughs> i'm just like great. clicking around on the on the on the different variables you can check on the on the the the, yeah. the uh the decks and i clicked on the win percentage and yeah lolan vulpix the worst win percentage i mean these all make so much sense alolan vulpix gengar hisuian samurott all the bottom decks on yeah. the format so far i'm amazed that four people have played hisuian samurott to a tournament since the new set came out but <laughs> 
but they have apparently. Um, Number one though is Decidueye and Teleon. Is it coming back? Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. No. <laughs> um, I will say um, another deck that I do think it's not a deck from Silver Tempest, but it gets so much from Silver Tempest and it's kind of a fun little pet deck. Uh, is the Zoark Toolbox. We talked about it a lot a couple weeks ago, but, you know, you get the Radiant Jirachi, you get the new Raichu, you get Breaks in, which we didn't talk about that in the first, um, the the episode a few weeks ago when we talked about Zorobox so much. We uh, didn't really talk about how good Ser Serena and Breaks in really are with that deck. It just gives you a yeah, good, solid, heavy hitter. Um and I mean, Serena is a great consistency boost to the deck as well because it gives you that gust option and, you know, of course, adds a mediocre draw supporter in there as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Zoro Box, I would love so much to see a Zoro Box do well. Please, if, <laughs> if you're listening and you are competing at LAIC and you're thinking about Zoro Box and you want to get on stream, I'm not promising anyone <laughs> anything. But if someone starts like win a couple rounds, if someone starts like five zero with Zoro Box, like there's no shot that person's not gonna get put on stream, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is always there's always a shot, no guarantees, as all of course, but <laughs> it, it'd be a hard of... argument to not put that person on stream at five zero with Zoro Box. Yeah, it definitely would. I mean, I would like to see it. Um, the, I, but one thing that holds Zoro Box back, I think, is the Lost Box matchup. That matchup is bad <laughs> for Zoro Box, and it kind of makes me feel like. This meta almost feels kind of like Mew and Arceus when Arceus came out. It's like there's a bunch of decks out there that could beat Mew, but none of the decks that could hard beat Mew beat Arceus. And Mew was fine against Arceus. So the only two decks you had was Mew and Arceus. And now we're kind of seeing, okay, there's this Lugia deck that's really, really good. The best deck in the format, the most popular deck in the format. Okay, There's actually like a decent amount of single prize decks that would do very well up against Lugia but none of them can beat Lost Box. So you lose, you could you could beat Lugia, but Lost Box is still like, you know, 15, 20% of the meta. So you can't ever get enough just Lugia matchups to actually get there. And I think we'll probably just continue to see the same thing we saw with Mew and Arceus, where the most popular decks will continue to just be Lugia and Lost Box. Uh, and there's no room for another deck to kind of get in there and like target Lugia because it loses so hard to Lost Box. It's kind of like, it kind of feels like we're entering that kind of same, almost exact same two deck dominance format uh with lugia and lost box we'll see how it progresses but uh it's definitely i guess mew is still there as well of course get Mew in there why not yeah i mean mew will probably be number two i i honestly could see a random world where mew becomes the most popular deck at the tournament no shots. you don't think no way but <laughs> no way well there are two ways that people are playing Mew right now of course the dte build has become the way to go in the previous format, but with the release of Lugia, people are leaning back into their good old Pokemon catchers, busting out the Meloettas, the Fusion <laughs> Strike energies. Do you have a preferred way to play the deck? I know, obviously, you did just win a tournament with the DTE and the, the Path to the Peak Marnie version, but I assume you've played a decent amount of Fusion Strike Mew as well. Yeah, I definitely have. I think... Um... It's hard. Like, you want to be... The reason you want to go back to the Fusion build is to kind of match the aggression of lugia like from turn two on lugia is one hit KOing everything possibly so to match that you want to get kind of a a one up on them and be the first person to take that knockout even if you go second um so people are trying to match that aggression and trying to get even like uh, a little bit further ahead um but it doesn't actually after playing the dte build with the heavy path and the, the big the big save there was the heavy path because then even if you go second you don't get a knockout but you get to throw a path in play it makes things awkward for them 
Um, because then they have them having to put like Punkaboo in play as a response to that. First, they have to find it. If they can't find it, some people don't even play Punkaboo. Um, so the uh, the aggressive paths were really a big deal. Um, but I do kind of feel like I don't know. I feel like it's pretty close. Both builds seem pretty solid, but I don't really feel like I have like a, a strong opinion on a preference between them. I enjoy the the DT build way more because there's so much less focus on that first turn, and it doesn't feel like you just lose the matchup because you're not playing Meloetta. So I definitely enjoy the DT build more. Both seem fairly strong options if you're kind of set on playing Mew, though. So I don't think um, I don't think you really have to pick one over the other. Um, it's just you want to kind well, you of do have to that. pick one, right? Well, yeah, yeah. You don't. I, I don't think there's like a, a direct one to pick over the other. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to play like a long, more thought out, uh, methodical game with the DTE path build, or do you just kind of want to be like, all right, I went second, turn one Meloetta, here we go. Um, and the win percentages kind of feel about the same. I will say, I think the DTE build actually has a better loss box matchup, though. Um, I would still probably run some kind of like a hand dropping like a Roxanne in the fusion build. Uh, but even when you have that, it still feels like loss box is pretty tough, especially the Kyogre matchup, because they just get down to the bottom of the deck and they're like, all right, Kyogre 2 Genesec for the last four prize cards. Right. And then the game's just over. So um, I guess maybe that puts it a little bit more in favor of the DTE build, actually, to be honest. Now that I've kind of talked through it all, I would probably play the DTE build. So. Lost Box, you mentioned. I mean, and we've talked about it a bunch as well. I mean, sounds like a decent play for this weekend, to be honest. I mean, the deck is really strong. There's a couple of ways people play it, though. The Radiant Charizard or Radiant Greninja. Of course, Radiant Greninja usually going to be packing that Kyogre that you just mentioned as well. There's also the crazy stuff with all the other amazing rares, the Rayquazas, <laughs> the Raikus. Preferred way to play Lost Box in your mind, Azul. I feel like Charizard is kind of the fallback, more consistent way. Obviously, Pedro just won Warsaw Regionals with that version of the deck, and that's kind of been the way that people have been playing the deck up to this point. What do you think is your preferred way, and maybe which one would you think is more going to be more popular? Um, I think the most popular build will probably be Sablezard because you have that yeah. build, you have the Kyogre build, but then even like, I don't know, maybe like 20% of other Lost Box builds are just other stuff. We've seen the Amazing Rare Rayquaza, Amazing Rare Raikou, uh, like Tech Attacker build like with Snorlax and, and you know, Raikou V and all that kind of stuff. So there's a ton of different ways to play it outside of those two. Those are the main two ways, most popular ways. But yeah, Sablezard, number one, Kyogre, number two, and then everything else, you know, maybe that'll make up another 20% of different Lost Box decks. Um, I think I still prefer the Charizard build overall because one of the problems with Lost Box in general is it doesn't really enjoy going up against Marnie or Roxanne, but the Kyogre build definitely enjoys it a little bit less, even if you have that extra draw power of the Greninja over the Charizard to kind of thin out your deck more aggressively in the early game. I still feel like the the, the little you need sometimes in late game scenarios as the Charizard Lost Box, sometimes you just need like a Clara or an attack with a Sableye or an attack with a Charizard. Like you need so little in those late game scenarios. So even when they're throwing Marnies and Roxanne's at you, it's a little bit easier to recover from them to get off those bigger plays. So I think I definitely favor the Charizard build a little bit better, a little bit more overall. The Kyogre build, I don't know. It just feels like if people are all of a sudden looking at how popular Lost Box is, they can just be like, okay, I'm going to increase my Marnie count. I'm going to play a Roxanne and so on. And that kinda, that's going to hit the Kyogre build a lot harder than it hits the Charizard build. Sure. So kind of lean into the more straightforwardness of the yeah. Sableye Charizard, it seems like. Yeah. I definitely. think that is great points. And I mean, honestly, and that's kind of just the theme with picking a deck for a tournament is in general, like in these online events, you know, you're playing best of one, you know, you can have a really good tournament run and 
Less on uh, the line. Yeah, and and there's less. Yeah, you, you. It's less risky to, you know, just sit down at your computer and play in a six round online tournament and try to get the win with your silly Rayquaza amazing rare deck than, <laughs> uh, it is to pay thousands of dollars to you know go travel and you know enter this tournament and buy all the real cards and then choose to play Rayquaza. So I definitely agree. Charizard will be more popular. And Chip, um, Chip hates amazing rare Rayquaza. Bro, I literally is- love Rayquaza. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> amazing rare wasn't good so chip hates amazing rare rayquaza that's what he wants to say sure there you go he's like why couldn't it have been good like was it mega ray that the mm. one yes that was the one that was, <laughs> that was the one so giratina v star other way that people utilize the lost zone engine it was the um ended up becoming the most popular deck of the last format kiram had it beat out for a while at the first uh, yeah. tournament and then uh, on the online events, uh, Lost Box was the most popular for a while. But when all was said and done, it kind of came out Giratina, most powerful and um, most played deck of the last format. Fifth right now in the online meta share, is that kind of shiny new thing syndrome? Or is it just not as good? How do you feel about its Lugia matchup? If we look at the percentages online, its matchups into Lugia, it's got a 38% win rate into Lugia, which is pretty bad. It is bad. Um, not as bad as <laughs> I found it when I've played the games. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. How do you feel about, I guess, that matchup uh, in your mind and just maybe about Giratina in general as a play? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that matchup is that terrible uh, for Giratina. I think what's hard, what's, hard, what's more difficult for Giratina to kind of overcome is the Lost Box matchup. Once again, that's what it feels like. I mean, this goes back to what I was talking about. Like, you had Mew, which is like, I'm a really good deck in the format. And then it's like, the only deck that can beat me consistently and is a powerful deck alongside me is Arceus. And then we got, once again, Lugia, broken deck. And then you got, well, I'm Lost Box and I can kind of compete with them and I can do other stuff. And then all these other decks are like, ah, I can beat Lugia or I can stand up against Lugia, but I can't beat Lost Box. And I feel like that's where Giratino's real struggles are. That is a pretty interesting percentage for that matchup. I have not felt, yeah, for the little I've played in that matchup, it's not felt that bad. Um that might be a lot, have a lot to do with a lot of people not having enough Temple of Sinnohs, like initially, though, when Lugia first dropped. I yeah. think you do have to be playing like two or three Temple of Sinnoh to actually like you need those turns to really be like heavily disrupt what they've got going on. Right. So that could have a lot to do with its uh, pretty poor Lugia matchup in the online events. But I think its real struggle is the Lost Box matchup. Like I think that matchup is just really tough for Giratina. You know, you have the, the you you have your both you have your initial back and forth, right? Where it's like, oh, you got Kramerant, I got Kramerant, you got Sableye, I got Sableye, and then all of a sudden, like, I got Garatina, and you're like, oh, I got a Charizard, and it's like, I draw more prize cards than you now. Or you have you have the Kyogre, even it's like, I have Kyogre, and I KO two of your V Pokemon off the bench or something ridiculous, right? So you just get out traded in the late game consistently, because uh, yeah, both the decks in the early game aren't doing very much disrupting with Marnie, right? So you do have the Roxanne in the Garatina deck at some point, um, but by that point, that by the time that matters, sometimes. You know, you've both used like three Colvers. You weren't using Marnie in the early game to make things hard on them. So then you they got to like cleanly use three Colvers before the Roxanne even hits, and then they're just kind of set up fine to deal with what you got going on. So right. I think that's the matchup that's really putting Giratina in the ground right now. If we look at the, I went to the matchups from the Limitless Showdown for <clears throat> Giratina Lost Zone. Um, Lugia Archaeops was forty five percent win rate, so that's like maybe a little more in line. I think it's like probably yeah. that's probably about right fifty fifty ish, forty five fifty five something like that. And Lost Zone Box. 30% win rate. So a 30-70 matchup. That's pretty brutal. Yes, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> that's really, really rough. And one of the harder things to actually deal with with the Lost Zone decks right now in general for a lot of decks is just like 
the unpredictability, to be honest. So that always skews the matchup. I guess that's not as relevant in online online tournaments because of the open deck list. But for LAIC, that's going to be a big thing, right? You go up against a Lost Zone deck, it's like, if you, even if you're playing like Lugia, do you really want to bench Dunsparce? Do you really want to bench Manaphy? What if they don't play Kyogre? What if they don't play this or that? Like, you know, that first game is going to be like so weird going against Lost Box decks at LAIC because you don't want to bench any of these Pokemon that are good against some Lost Box decks, but not good against the others. Be a little bit of unpredictability against them as well. Sure. Put put a little bit more in their favor. So a deck that you were definitely very familiar with in the last format and is one of the more popular decks in the current format. Fourth most played right now in online events is the good old Reggie Gigas itself. Uh, <laughs> um, it feels like on, pa on paper, right, you've got Reggie Alecki with a choice belt. You can one-hit KO Lugia. Seems pretty good. Even if you don't have the choice belt, you can set up some damage on a bench for their second Lugia. But yeah. Lugia's got the Dunsparce. They've got the Manaphy. And you got things like Giratina playing Temple of Sinnohs, multiple Temple of Sinnohs in their deck. Is it a little Collapse too volatile? Well. Yeah, Collapse Stadiums, sure. Is it a little too volatile right now for Reggie's? Yeah, I think Reggie, I think Reggie's kind of some big cope right now. I'm not a huge fan of the deck overall. Yeah, going into the format, I was a little I wasn't really high on the deck, but I was like, I had a little bit I was like I feel like there was the possibility for it to be off a little bit better than it ended up being. But yeah, currently I I think playing Reggie's is just a, a mistake. <laughs> like there's <laughs> almost every Lugia deck has man if you dunsparce. You can't beat man if you dunsparce. Even if they just have dunsparce plus a plus a couple collapse, that is still really hard to overcome um and almost like it's a definitely unfavorable yeah like the lugia the way lugia decks are built right now you're gonna have to wait until you catch them slipping and you know fully cutting dunsparce and man basically to have a chance i think as reggie into that matchup consistently yeah i don't think reggie's that great at all right now i think it's a little bit overplayed in online tournaments because we finally have gift energy uh with the release of <laughs> uh with the release of silver tempest they finally fixed gift energy um and it's not banned so you can actually use it. So I think that does have to do with a little bit of the increase in percentage on Reggie's. It's been about a 10% in most online tournaments, um, but I don't think it actually deserves that number. And I expect it to maybe be the biggest overall, like um, at LASC, my prediction is for it to be like the biggest flop deck at the tournament. Like for its, its uh, for the amount of that it's played, there's going to be a very, very poor conversion rate from day one would to day be, two. Yeah, I was going to say, would you be surprised to see like zero in day two? I'd probably be surprised to be zero because I I assume it'll probably be still around that eight to ten percentage of play rate. Um, so two it would be like reasonable, but like if there's just one, like I wouldn't be that surprised. I, I some will probably make day two, right? It's not that hard to make day two with Reggie. I don't think. Like I think there's enough other good matchups. Sure, the lost mode matchups are someone still pretty can, solid with someone Marnie's can dodge band. all the bad things, right? Yeah, you can dodge all the bad things, get lucky against a Lugia or two, catch the ones not playing Dunsparce. So play they nine lost box in a row. Yeah, nine lost box in a row. A couple of Mews. The Mews, the Mew matchup's gotten better too, right? They're going back to the, the Meloetta build, less disruption. They still got the the lost cities sometimes, but sometimes they don't. So yeah, it's uh I would give it uh yeah, Reggie's I mean, if only one of them made day two, I would not be like that surprised. I don't have a pretty bad success rate for how much it'll be played. Pretty poor conversion rate from day one to day two. So a deck that did see an increase in play over in Japan, and it's been one of the more popular ones online right now, is Arceus Duraladon. It did win a regionals last season in North America, so it's you know it's proven that it can it can get there. I know that it's a deck that you and many others are <laughs> uh, pretty uh, adamant haters on from time to time, but 
Do you expect it to be played? And do you really think the Lugia matchup is good enough for it? I mean, if we look at the online results, it's got a 49% win rate <laughs> against Lugia. The deck it's built to beat. The reason someone would play it, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's because, like, if Lugia goes first, uh, you usually just don't even get access to Starbirth before things happen. And then finding your Parasols becomes a problem. So, like, the goal is to get a Drawdown VMAX setup with a Parasol. And then if they play Vacuum, they'll Vacuum that Parasol. Yvetal knock out that Duraldon, and then your next Duraldon needs a Parasol. So if your Arceus doesn't even get to get your Parasols before you lose the game, then you just kind of lose. And even if you get like the turn two attack off with Arceus, if they just go one hit KO that Arceus, you send up your Duraldon with a Parasol, and then they go vacuum that Parasol, knock out with Yvetal. Once again, even though you went first, you still need that second Duraldon with Parasol. So basically, you need to go first, turn two, get out two Duraldon VMAX, each with a Parasol. So sometimes you could just ignore your attack, don't even attack turn two. Don't starboard through the double turbo. Get that second parasol in play. And then if you get that board state set up, you kind of have them checkmated. Unless they run two vacuum, which some people do do. So um, I think it is kind of getting a little bit better for it. And I think you are kind of a little bit in that. Uh, if you're playing it, you're basically hoping to hit Lugia nine rounds in a row and hope to hit enough of them that aren't rocking the vacuum. I think is basically what you're hoping for here as you on. But even then, you can get a little bit worse because Lugia decks we start to see are play some some builds play like three paths of the peak which means you're just hitting. And some of them play Path of the Peak and Regigigas, which means you are one-hit KOing the Duraludon VMAX. So even then, some of these Lugia builds are like over, not like are like not on purpose, but over-tech for the Duraludon matchup. Yeah, I mean, it can do okay against like an inexperienced Mew player, but most people who know what they're doing are going to yeah. be fine in that matchup as a Mew player. It does have a really good Lost Box matchup, so it's got that going for it. Yeah, um, the true. healing there is a little too much for Lost Zone Box to really deal with. Maybe the Kyogre version would have a better chance, but uh, it also does have a solid Regigigas matchup, right? Or like a Regis matchup. Uh, um, well, not anymore. It used to, but now with four paths of the peak and Regis, you're kind sure. of just like okay, sure, yeah, yeah. my bad. One hit KOing the Duraludon, <laughs> and they're not playing Big Charm anymore because you have to play Parasol. So yeah. it's like, so actually, yeah, your Regis matchup is bad. But I, I don't think that's a reason to not play Duraludon. Like I just spoke on on Regis. I don't think Reggie's is like that. I think Reggie's a pretty bad play, but it's another reason not to play Duraldon. And if your only reason to play Duraldon is to have a 50-50 matchup against Lugia, that doesn't sound like a good reason to play a deck, to be honest. No, not really. Um, okay, and then the last two that we have written down to talk about, Curum and Palkia. Kind of weird that, you know, two of the most played decks of the last format we're talking about so late in our meta discussion. Have they been pushed out of the formats, where do you think you kind of sit on that? <laughs> well, this is kind of a finally for me with Kiram because I've been a Kiram hater since like day one. <laughs> <laughs> for Palkia, though, I mean it's it's a tough call, right? I think uh, going into Lost Origins format, everyone, a lot, a lot of people were sleeping on Palkia, right? I think and then it's reestablished itself. Yeah, I think got second place in the first still. regional. Yeah, and then I think it reestablished itself and started to slowly gain popularity again as like probably the best overall deck still in the format. I think there's a good argument for Sable Zard as well. So those were probably the top two best decks in the format, I think, overall. Um, Reggie's was very good as well, but you know, a little bit easier to counter Reggie than something like a Palkia or a Sable Zard. So uh, but Kiram for for me, Kiram is uh finally people aren't playing the deck. Uh did not deserve its play rate, I think. And then Palkia. Will it just kind of make a bounce? I think it's potentially could make a bounce back. I think one of the struggles with Palkia, though, uh, I don't think the Lugia matchup is terrible. You got some cool tech cards, you know, the Temple of Sinnoh, and then the the Articuno with the Paralysis. I've seen popping up in quite a few lists online when Lugia when Palkia does well, because uh, Lugia doesn't doesn't handle Paralysis very well. We've seen the Zekrom as well in some 
in some lists as well where people are like paralyzing the opponent's Lugia and then either it's they don't have Dunsparce in play so you do 260 damage or they do have Dunsparce in play which means you hit twice with Zekrom and then you use Metacham to Yoga Loop the Lugia and then go again. Uh, you can do like similar stuff with Palkia with the Articuno, paralyze, trap the Lugia or some Pokemon in play for a little while because uh, you don't really play Switch cards in Lugia at all. Some lists play Bird Keeper, some lists play Charon's Care but not all of them do so you can do some cheesy stuff like that. And then Temple of Sinnoh gives you like kind of a way to maybe one hit KO one or two Lugias through the V-Guard energy as Palkia. So I think there's like some hope for Palkia, but I think once again, the thing that really is shutting Palkia down, I think is the Lost Zone matchups, actually. The Lost Box decks, I think, are what actually what is it keeping Palkia fully pinned out of the format. Because I think Palkia could probably put itself in a position to tech out to beat Lugia, but it can't do that when it also has to tech itself out to beat Lost Box. Yeah, too much for it to handle. And the decks are like Lugia and Lost Box are so different, right? So it's like yeah. the overlap of the th cards there's you no need to include to beat them. There's there's no overlap, right? Yeah. <laughs> None. <laughs> okay. Palkia, yeah, Palkia's in trouble. Palkia, yeah. Well, I mean, could this be... I, since Palkia's been released, it's, I'm surely it's made top eight at like every tournament, right? It's probably I close. Think we almost. Should, there might be, have been one tournament where it missed cut at, but like... Would you be surprised to see zero Palkia in top cut at this tournament? Like, it's probably almost expected to not see any Palkia in top cut at LAIC. Yeah, I think that is just expected at this point. Um, I would, yeah, I would predict zero Palkia in uh, in top eight. I think that's a pretty solid, a pretty solid prediction to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't expect any, and uh, I think it's reasonable as well. And maybe it's it's time is kind of up for now. Of course, if the next set kind of switch shifts things up, it's so powerful. We could see it come back. I guess besides Palkia, though, I don't think we could mention the fact no decks. There's no decks with Inteleon, right? There's yeah, no, it's just kind of like, crazy. Rotation came early in, in Latin America, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was talking about, oh, when rotation happens, there's going to be no Inteleon. Well, it's already happening. Yeah. <laughs> there's no Inteleon. <laughs> Pretty wild, honestly. I mean, it's like one of the most powerful engines ever in the game, and we're not seeing it played. There's just nothing that really fits it. I mean, the Lost Zone engine is so good. Lugia obviously can't utilize it very well. Mew has its own powerful engine, so... Sableye um, makes things kind of tough, I feel like, is maybe the... Uh... Yeah main thing right like it's, it's just hard to go up against sableye decks and they're just like KOing your Drizelle, KOing your sobbles over and over and over so of the decks that we have mentioned so I, I guess ignoring the decks that we have mentioned what is something we haven't talked about that you think is most likely to make top eight so kind of the lower tier slash roguish surprise decks anything that you think has a chance to make a run. I'm thinking of like the Blissies of the world or the Arceus Gudras, anything like that you think could come up and uh, do decently this weekend? Yeah, I think maybe some kind of, I think maybe like we, the one thing we're kind of missing from this format and maybe Mew is just the best at it is some kind of Path Marnie deck. Um, but like the, the Mew list that I played it to win the tournament this week was basically a Path Marnie deck. I played three Path, three Marnie and then Roxanne Path at the end of the game, <laughs> a lot of games. So, um, but maybe there is some room for an Arceus deck. There's no Arceus. No, there's no Arceus decks like in the top five right now. Besides Arceus Duraludon, but I feel like that's not really an Arceus deck. That's a Duraludon deck. That's the best thing to pair Duraludon with, right? It's not the best thing to pair Arceus with. Um, so I feel like some kind of Arceus B Barrel. I could see, I could see someone coming. Maybe just Arceus B Barrel Tina. Just bring that back for Path for Marnie. Throw it at the Lugias and see how it goes. Um, so yeah, I'll give my shout to, to Arceus B Barrel. What do you think, though? Do you think there's any hope for anything else to squeak into a top eight potentially? I mean. There's few options left because we talked about most things. Maybe Hisuian Zoark, but that's kind of just copium, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> In theory, it's like you can one-shot a Lugia, right? 
And so I was like, you know what? Maybe it could be good. And then I went on Limitless and I looked at the win percentages right now. And this is obviously not, you know, totally the 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 law, right? That you have to go by that this is how the matchup breaks down. But Husuin Zarek only has a 23% win rate versus uh, Lugia Archeops. That's pretty bad. <laughs> so uh, unless someone has a way that to really consistently up that specific matchup, um, I mean, I think Zark does fine into Mugenesect. I think it does fine into Tina. And I think you can build it to be beat Lost Box, theoretically. You do have to sacrifice a little consistency there to add the Sharon's Cares, but it is possible. Um, take the L to Reggie's this weekend, so you don't even need to play Dunsparce, potentially. Yeah, just so. take the L, yeah. yeah. Got it. With the, any of these kind of decks, if, if anyone out there is like thinking about playing something like a Zorark or something... Take some L's. You can't be showing up with four parasols, two Dunsparce, two Manaphy, and Ordinary Rod. Your you deck's gotta... never going to work. <laughs> yeah, just take some L's somewhere. You don't have to beat everything, uh, especially when you're going with like not, not, not something that's like not a Lugia. Because when it comes to Lugia, it's like, hmm, what is the cool tech card I want to play to surprise people? When it comes to any other deck, you know, you, if, you're, if you can get, if you feel like you can get by against Mew, Lost Box, and Lugia, that's it. Take that. Don't tech for Regis. Don't tech for, I don't know what, Vika Vault. Just like, you take those three dollars. If you can feel like you're good against those decks, be consistent about it for sure. We've got to stop trying to beat everything with uh with all their decks. Take some else, take some else, it's fine. But yeah, I would definitely love to see some Hisuian Zork. I mean, I've kind of been a big <laughs> lover of that deck ever since yeah, I've talked about it so many times on the cast, like you know, enjoying that deck. So I'd love to see someone doing well with it. Um Yeah, would be great. Uh so we have one final prediction then for LAIC is which region do you think will win LAIC? Got the four regions, NA, EU, LA, and OC. Um, who do you got, Chip, taking it all? I mean, I think if you just go by numbers, it makes the most sense to pick it LA. <laughs> because there's so many. I mean, it's going to be the highest percentage of players by far, obviously. Um, but I'm going to go just with... I, I feel bad doing it, but I'm going to go with EU no na dub on top i, I think oh, the EU boys God. man i don't know i it's just something feels uh you know something to think they, about they, something to they think might about have the most so, ic wins actually i think so. yeah oh for sure i mean tord has got three of them right so yeah yeah <laughs> and speaking of which tord has three ic wins he's won ocic he's won euic he's won naic has never Not won one. laic so this could yeah. be Tord's chance See if he can make it happen. I mean, so many of those players are just playing so good right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, the truth is, is like there's just like, you know, there's probably like a dozen to two dozen players that I could think of that like have a pretty good chance to win the tournament this weekend just because they're good players, right? Uh, and they're from all over the world. So it's a tough question. Tough question, but an easy answer. NA, baby, all <laughs> the way. No problem. North America is going to be getting a dub here for sure at laic um should be uh no yeah, listen should be pretty easy for I'm an predicting a eu but i'm still rooting <laughs> na okay you know na through and through here oh but. you're a trader chip you can stay and you can stay you can go back home to europe after laic is over you know go hang out with tord and robin and them that's fine that's fine we know how it is that's right <laughs> we'll see what happens though LAIC this weekend. We're both excited. I can't wait to uh, get down there and 
dig in and see exactly what players have decided to bring to the event. I'm always, uh, I always enjoy like the night before these big tournaments, like kind of hearing the rumors of like this group's playing this, <laughs> or have you heard about this and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to hearing kind of what some of that might look like and see what those lists look like on tournament day. Azul, I'm sure you're excited. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be rooting for you. Everyone in the uncommon energy fam rooting for Azul, hopefully uh, two IC wins in a few months. That'd be pretty nice, huh? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> if I can pull it off. <laughs> well, thanks so much to everyone for listening to this week's Uncommon Energy. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a like if you're watching here on YouTube or if you're listening on one of the podcasting platforms, please be sure to leave us a rating. Super quick, easy to do, and it is a great way to show your support. It helps us out so much. It really does. And if you want to stay connected to us, you can follow us over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at AzulGG and the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Thanks so much for the support as always. Good luck to anyone participating in LAIC and safe travels, of course. Azul, anything else? Nope. Catch y'all next week on Wednesday. Uh, peace. <laughs>